Hello, ladies and gentlemen, subscribers to the Tomahawk Talk podcast. We're back again with another quarantined episode of Tomahawk Talk, not live at WVFS uh, in Tallahassee. Uh, but I, still, I am your host, Brett Rutherford. A lot has changed. That has not changed. I'm still here. I'm still joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Gary Putnick. Gary, uh, we're going to start this episode the way we always do before we introduce our panelists. Uh, what, what have you been up to this last week? I know we're recording this on a Wednesday. We usually record these on a Monday, um, so it's going to be out a little bit later in the week. But what have you been up to since the last time we talked? Uh, I started and finished the Netflix documentary Sunderland Till I Die about the uh, Sunderland Football Club up in the northeast of England and their kind of trials and tribulations, both from the players and uh, front office perspective, but also the fans. And I really have enjoyed it. I saw a lot of myself as a Marlins fan in the fans of the second season. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's a very good show, very interesting show, and you don't have to be a big soccer fan to like it. Yeah, I, I watched it. I, I think I've seen season one or half of season one. I don't. I have, definitely haven't finished it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really funny how this, uh, this Netflix series has made everyone fall in love with this really, really, really bad soccer team. Yeah. I, I'm followed, I found myself rooting for them at every single time. Like, during their games, like, they'd get a goal to, like, either get one back or tie or whatever. And I'd almost be cheering. <laughs> No, and Sunderland are, are a very historic team yeah. in England. They, they've won before, um, but they've kind of had a really, you know, a, a fall from grace, find themselves in the third division in England. And, but now this is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to their club because, like you said, they're gaining fans from this. Like, people mm-hmm. are interested in what's, you know, once the season comes back, once soccer comes back, a lot of people, now that season two has been released and the show's been picking up a lot of popularity – a lot of people are going to be checking the Sunderland scores every weekend. So this is one of the best things that has ever happened uh, to this team. But anything else you've been uh, staying busy with during quarantine? Um, well, now this is ma- this should have been Masters week. So now I'm, ESPN Plus put out all the Masters films from 1960 to last seasons, and they're amazing. It's like an hour long each uh, each se- or each film. And it just kind of recaps each Masters tournament. So it's like an hour long, great thing. I'm starting from the first one, 1960, I believe, Arnold Palmer. I'm just going to work my way up to 2019s. Any video games you've been playing? I know we talk about video games a little bit on here. You've been uh, staying busy that way? Yes. Yeah, I finally got my Nintendo Switch Lite, and I've been playing a lot, a lot of Animal Crossing New Horizons. It's pretty fun, and I named my island Doak (laughs) for Doak Campbell. Nice, nice. Yeah, so a lot of fun. I figured. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and introduce the rest of our panel, see what they've been up to. Uh, joining on back, he was on last week, uh, is our producer and also tonight panelist, Sebastian Angeliano. Sebastian, uh, you've got a really great Zoom background. I think it's Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it's like GTA that, Vice City. Vice yeah. City, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Sebastian, what, what have you been up to the last week uh, since uh, you were on last week and could not take uh, Gary's trivia title away from him? Yeah, well, that was pretty disappointing. So uh, to pick myself up, I uh, actually picked up uh, a couple games and watched a few movies. Um, highlights for the movies, and I actually finally got around to watching Goodfellas for the first time. Really great movie. Really enjoy kind of like the slice of life with that insane, like, over, like, hanging theme of, you know, these people are criminals, but also they're just going about their lives 90% of the time in the movie, which I thought was insane. 
Uh, and on the video games end, I picked up uh, Apex, actually. I, that's why I was a little late to this game, or to this uh, broadcast, is actually I was, I was carrying my team to a, uh, a dub on the original Apex Legends map. So uh, that felt pretty good. Uh, apart from that, um, I finally had to install uh, Zoom today. That's what we're running on right now uh, for a class. So I had some time to tinker around with some of my uh, moving wallpapers that I have for this computer. I just slap them in the background. This one's the GTA Vice City logo. I've been toying around with Halo Reach with Daytona USA. It's been, uh, this is my favorite part of class nowadays. Yeah, you, you mentioned watching Goodfellas and Scorsese. He really has a knack for that where these characters are, you know, you're, you're entrenched in what they're doing criminally, uh, but, but you're really also interested in their personal lives. And I think you, we, we all saw that a lot with The Irishman, for those who have watched it. Uh, the film that came out last year was nominated for a couple different Oscars. Um, but yeah, good stuff, Goodfellas, is definitely a classic. Uh, and rounding out our panel tonight, uh, back, he was on two weeks ago, our first quarantine podcast, is Tyler Phillips. Tyler, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, doing well. Uh, glad to be back. I've uh, been watching a lot of uh, iRacing, um, and that actually started today, which was great. Um, been uh, playing some video games, mainly The Sims 4, because, you know, I can simulate going outside, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. It, it isn't the real thing, but, you know, it'll do. Um, and been, been watching some, uh, some series uh, on Netflix, so, yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about iRacing because I've seen it a lot on the internet. And I think one of these days I'm going to try to tune in and watch it because I know they do some live broadcasts as well. But tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it's on Fox Sports uh, 1, I believe. Uh, last Sunday they, they raced at Bristol. Um, and it's just so cool. For someone who hasn't watched racing since Dale Earnhardt Jr. got out and I believe it was 2013, like full-time he got out. Um, I, I haven't watched since. And so I came back and, and this might just be better, um, than actual <laughs> racing. Um, just because you get to see a personal side to some of these, uh, drivers and, and they're, they're going to each driver as they're going around the track, kind of getting their, you know, picking their brains. Um, you're able to see them, you know, in the cockpit and, and they take this seriously. And, I don't think you can talk about this without mentioning Bubba Wallace, who actually got his sponsor taken away from him because he rage quit uh, about 14 laps into Bristol. You wait, I didn't. I saw. Okay, I saw what happened there. He got uh, taken out. I can't remember. Was it Clint Boyer who took Clint him out? Clint Boyer, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't. Okay, and I saw him quit the game. I didn't know he lost his sponsor because of that. Yes, he lost his in real life sponsor. Wow. Um, because this is this is a way for NASCAR and uh, for Fox and a lot of these companies that are hurting because of this uh, the quarantine to make money. Uh, mm -hmm. This actually had more views. It had one point one million views uh than uh over the weekend and richmond only had nine hundred seventy thousand views that was the last race that nascar actually uh, raced so it this is a big deal they should be taking it seriously and i think uh bubba wallace got a little bit uh to uh he he thought he got he rage quit which is not good not a good no. thing to do especially when your uh your sponsor is on the line so just to clarify for not only myself, but our listeners, these are real professional drivers that are 
racing virtually and i've seen they've got these really cool rigs set up they're called sim rigs they're basically it looks like they're in a car like it's supposed to look and feel like you're in the driver's seat of a race car and they're simulating real events from what it looks like if i could uh cut in really quick um as someone who's been kind of in that motorsports world for a while now it's really interesting seeing people who have no kind of um familiarity with motorsport or at least people who haven't been paying attention to racing um in any walk of life or any any drive of life i guess be it um endurance racing formula one indycar nascar um and even australian supercars are getting in on the iRacing wave and um just seeing them kind of come back to the to the sports uh iRacing is is pretty interesting because iRacing is as close as you can get to that kind of one-to-one like as close as you can get to being in a car um it's outside of you know the super high-tech simulators that you have at the testing centers of these um uh racing teams basically and um there are a lot of stories of like sim drivers getting jobs at ferrari at mclaren uh, for to be sim racers or sim drivers for them um formula one also does um racing um every weekend but instead of using i racing they actually use their like own like imagine like a, a fifa game or a uh, it's just f1 2019 that's what they use uh the big thing to take away from that is it's not really too serious because f1 doesn't really compare or the codemasters game doesn't really compare to the i racing sim because iRacing is more of a sim and the F1 game is more of an arcade type game. Um, so the, it's, it's kind of laid back there where, you, where you'll have like old school racers, like guys like Jensen Button who retired in 2010. That's 10 years ago. Holy hell. But um, dudes who haven't been around. And I know that's a thing in IndyCar as well, because Jimmy Johnson is going to race in IndyCar this weekend, which is really exciting to hear. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy to see this uh, I, i'm really happy to hear that tyler's like picked up the, the sport again or picked it up uh for the first time it's, it's cool to see you yeah know? i mean it, it's literally for me it's look it's the exact thing that i want to see i mean you talk about the uh, being as close as you can get there's real wear and tear on your tires you have to yeah. be strategic about when you pit you have to be uh aware of your you know your fuel mileage and and it's a it's the real deal people take this seriously and um it's good for for sponsors who can't you know make money during this time they would normally be on the racetrack uh in real life they're able to uh you know go out there and and make money via this but i will just touch on who won this past weekend uh william byron um won bristol um and uh it was a lot of back and forth there was a lot of wrecks i believe over 10 wrecks it was just complete chaos over 150 laps it's just um, your average i race i racing well, session honestly yeah, people just wreck like nobody's business yeah because you could touch each other and and it's just so easy to wreck uh just to clarify and let people know you get two restarts that is two brand new cars throughout the entire thing so you have to be strategic when you use them because it is very easy to wreck. And once you're done with the second one, you're done. You, can't, you have to use that car the entire time. So. I feel like racers in this get a lot more careless because there are no real world implications for them. It's not like you can have someone get hurt or like a car could flip over, catch on fire. So you're going to see a lot more crashes because of that. And I think that adds a little bit of excitement to it. And a lot of people like watching crashes let's be at honest. the end of the day like these guys are doing this kind of for fun 
they mm-hmm. they might get a little bit of money for it but honestly like um this is just all for fun this is to get eyeballs back on the sport and this is what racing as a whole has definitely needed it's yeah. amazing to see like like i said it's all over the world too it's not just formula one and nascar doing this it's indycar um i saw a clip of um australian supercars which is basically like their nascar except they do more road courses than ovals mm-hmm. um they were racing at like uh they're racing at monza which is the italian like super speedway that they have over um in ferrari's backyard and in that first corner like tyler said where like there's real world conditions the tires are super cold which means the car is harder to control there's a 10 car pile up right in the first corner and it's it was it was crazy it was hilarious to watch and also like these races are way shorter than their like real life counterparts like a 500 mile race in nascar takes what three hours the Indy, the i racing sessions are only like a third of that. There's only like there's only one hour of good racing, um, and I help. I think that really does help keep eyeballs on the sport because you know races take forever, and it's like you really don't care about the first 200 laps of Daytona. You care about the last 50 where things actually matter, unless there's wrecks, like you said, Gary. Mm-hmm. So I would ask you guys this: um, Do you guys see i racing coming to the forefront after all this is said and done? And could you see it be something where real NASCAR drivers actually participate to get uh, maybe money for charity or even some more money for themselves? It's certainly going to gain more notoriety and there's going to be a lot more fans that pick it up like yourself, Tyler. But I still think everyone's going to want the real thing because you're going to want to go to the, a lot of people love NASCAR because they go to the events. They love the people, the friends that they've made at tailgates at in the stands, whatever, but so that's some of the rush of going to a NASCAR event is actually being there in person. So I think it's going to grow a little bit, but once we get the real thing back, it's going to, it's going to be back to normal. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I've been to, I grew up in Daytona. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to 10, at least 10 Daytona 500s um, and a bunch of other races. Jealous. So I do definitely can understand that. Um, you know, people want the real thing. I definitely understand that. Racing, it's exhilarating. So. Mm-hmm. I think what you'll see is like, um, best of all, is kind of like that. They'll see, they'll look at iRacing, and honestly, all you really need to have like an iRacing setup is a decent computer, something like I would have, and the steering wheel, like a, a set of uh, a steering wheel and paddles. And that might run you around, like the lower end, good entry ones are usually around like the low. 150s 200s if you want that full like nascar type setup it's you're gonna look at something like five grand but like i hope what we will see is more of like a, a grassroots racing beat, uh type beat where you might not see people at the uh, at the dirt tracks for stock car racing or people doing karting for single seater formula one type racing but you'll see people trying to get more involved in the sport i racing is not easy and there is very much like a the lower ranks are very hard to get out of. But once you get out of those lower ranks, it's very easy to get noticed by um, even like Formula One teams will have like e-racing teams, as we call them. Like Williams is the is like one of the biggest names in racing or in Formula One because they've been around forever. And they have uh, a couple like sim racers uh, sponsored, basically. Porsche does the same thing where they'll have uh, digital races all the time for real money. So I hope that there will like there's growth in that space of esports, which um, apart from Madden and 2K are, are very kind of like esports in the realest sense, I guess you could say, where it's the most literal interpretation of electronic sports, where it's the real thing converted into a video game. 
And uh, it'd be nice if there was some money flowing in from that because there's more attention nowadays because this is the best advertising that iRacing has ever gotten, ever. If I were to tell you guys about iRacing two months ago, you would have been like, oh, hey, that's neat. But you never would have paid attention to it. Now your eyeballs are on it. I think it's great. No disrespect to you guys. No, I definitely think it is exciting and it's something I'm going to have to tune into this coming weekend. Um, from, for the most part, the sports world has come to a complete halt. Uh, another thing that was that was on and was somewhat live, I think most of it was pre-recorded, um, that was aired this past weekend was WrestleMania 36. Uh, something that I tuned into, and you know, I know a lot of people thought it was just going to be canceled. I thought there was no chance it would happen. I was supposed to be there in Tampa for the live event. They had to move it to their uh, performance center in Orlando. The WWE did, uh, and a lot of their matches were pre-recorded as they tried to work around um, not only state but federal guidelines regarding how many people can be in one place at the same time. Um, but for the most part, I think uh, they did really the best they could. There was some bad matches there were some good matches there were some wacky matches i won't go too much into it uh, i don't think we have a whole lot of wrestling fans listening to the show um but it, it was fun and i'm glad that the wwe did the best they could given the situation and given all the circumstances and uh i i enjoyed it because i went in with super low expectations and they they met those expectations and exceeded them a bit and uh, I was really excited to, to have something new to watch this weekend. I'm not a WWE fan. I know it like kind of casually, just like some of the big names like The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all those guys. But how was it without fans? Because I know that's a huge part of the sport. And I know that's a huge part. Like they cut to the crowd, the crowd loves, and the crowd's almost their own kind of part of the production. Yeah, so when there are fans involved, um, you know, even at the shows like Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown that happen on a weekly basis, the fans are their own character. You'll see the wrestlers that'll have great, um, a great relationship with the fans, Aces. and then the heels, the bad guys that are, you know, have that negative, you know, relationship with the fans, which makes the show even better. Um, so they've been doing Raw and SmackDown, and obviously WrestleMania at the performance center with no fans. And for the most part, like, it was awkward at first, um, but when these guys are cutting promos, so when they're just talking into the mic, um, whether it's in the ring or backstage, um, I actually think it's kind of cool to see them do it without any fans because it's just pure, like, it's just their theater. dialogue. It's, yeah, exactly. It's so they, it, they can't it, feed it, off the, the boos or the cheers. It's just them. And that's made for some really good promos. But the thing with WrestleMania was really cool is they had, I think just two matches that were completely pre-recorded, like outside of a ring. So the undertaker and AJ Styles had a boneyard match, mm -hmm. which was like filmed like, like a movie in a boneyard. Uh, and that was really cool because obviously like there wouldn't be no fans there anyways. So they, they did what they could. They messed it. They made it really wacky. Um, and, and they thought outside of the box, but that's what, professional wrestling is and that's what you know when someone told me like oh i don't know if i can watch it there's no fans it won't be the same it'll be really like you know wonky i was like just that's what pro wrestling is like if you're tuning into a pro wrestling event and you're expecting like something to be normal and just you know business as usual that's not what you're <laughs> gonna get so i thought that's what this wrestlemania was and i actually think it'll be looked back upon with it i think there will be some interest in it you know when people look back on it just because it was so different and so zany and fun and 
there it was it was a good time so i really couldn't ask for much more and they're but. certainly going to get the benefit of the doubt just because of the situation so i think a lot of people look at with a lot of fondness saying like that's a bright spot that came from this time and that's something at least they tried at least they gave us all something to watch even though i didn't watch it because i'm not the biggest wwe fan but for a lot of people that are wwe fans it's just something yeah it was something and i'll take that all right, so now we're all caught up. We've all uh, talked about what we've been up to. We, there, there is some news. There is some new stuff to talk about in the sports world. First big thing we got to talk about is Florida State landed a transfer defensive end um, really just a couple hours ago as a defensive end, Deontay Williams from Baylor, uh, announces his decision to transfer to Florida State. Uh, from what I could see, looks like Williams played in 13 games at Baylor, recorded 26 total tackles and a sack. He redshirted his true freshman year and had a very bad uh, arm injury last year, or in 2018, rather, against Texas and hasn't played since then. So he didn't play at all in 2019. Uh, his father, Alfonso Williams, played at Florida State from 1985 to 1987, uh, mostly on special teams, it looks like. Uh, so he's a legacy. But Florida State lands Deontay Williams, another pass rusher, I think. Uh, Florida State's their roster is still at the point where you can't really turn away guys, you know, a guy is a guy and they're going to add him to, to their, to their team. And I think it's a positive. Yeah. Any, any depth like this is a positive, especially on the defensive end side where they where Florida state had troubles with last year due to injuries. So if he's really going to be able to keep this arm injury away and have it not kind of relapse, it's going to be huge because just having healthy bodies is the best you can have. Because if, a team's making an offensive push and you got guys who are on the D-line tired, you need to get some guys in and out and a fresh leg, fresh leg, fresh body is always great. Yeah, for sure. A um, guy's yeah. a guy, Brett, and I think you put it the best way where it's like we, we had personnel issues last year where, uh, you know, you wanted to bench a guy or you wanted to sit a guy, but you couldn't because, well, there was no one else who could step up to the plate or, you know what I mean, um, who could step up and take that spot. And I hope that this year Norvell really looks at this, what went wrong with um, Taggart squad and, and tries to not necessarily build on a shaky foundation, but re replenish that foundation that's so desperately needed here at Florida State. Well, I think the only thing I would add to this, um, this conversation is that you look at the, the roster freshman, 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 sophomore, sophomore. This brings a lot of experience. I mean, from, you know, obviously he's been injured, but I think this is a, a good pickup for Florida State in the sense that he could provide that quote-unquote veteran experience in the locker room um, and, and possibly, possibly be a leader. Um, and, you know, Aussie gives you depth. So I think uh, it's a big pickup, and I think he'll probably make some, uh, some noise. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting again, a long ways away from football. Um, no chance to look at anybody through the spring or summer anymore. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how Williams fits into this team and how he finds ways to produce for Florida State. In other news, uh, still on the gridiron, but in the professional realm of football, two new teams, both in the NFC South, unveiled new uniforms. And I know we had Austin Reynolds on, fan of the Atlanta Falcons, last week. Uh, I wish I wish he were on again this week, so we might have to text him and get his take on these new uniforms that the Atlanta Falcons dropped. So let's talk about them first. 
Um, let's, I, I know we're, it's a podcast, so we can't show pictures of the uniforms, uh, but I would like to hear uh, Gary give his best uh, radio description of the Falcons uniforms. Okay, so I saw a lot of people comparing them to the, uh, the longest yard uniforms from the final game that they play against the, or that the convicts play against the uh, police guards. But I've heard a lot of people describe them as XFL uniforms. They're black and red, like they always are the Falcons. The one uniform that I think really sticks out is their uh, black to red gradient. So the pants are black with two stripes on the side, like a thinner red stripe and a bigger white stripe. And then it kind of fades into red. But so the fade doesn't come in until about like a third of the way into the red jersey which isn't really my favorite. Because a gradient works so well for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, th- they did that wrong. But this, they did the gradient. It looks good. The gradient looks good. But Dude, the problem is, I like the, no, no, no. I like the, the gradient. The gradient looks good. But the problem is, you can, I like red jerseys, but you can't wear this red jersey with any other pants other than the black. You can't, There's like, a, gradients think, never work on any sports. Uh, Give me, like, one jersey in from the past 40 years which has used gradients and gone man that was iconic no they're all so, they're all universally somebody, panned you gotta try you got somebody's gonna get it right no these are their they're alternates trying. right what these are their alternates the red I the black i think they're i think no, they're their whites alternate. are the alternates oh the whites are the i like the whites the whites are good the so whites what's are their home uniform what's oh. their home uniform what are they gonna wear solid home? black they the black. i would assume it would be solid black i like they kept the retro jerseys in they and get the retro they're jerseys gonna wear, in they're gonna wear the gradient on the road uh, maybe in places where they don't i guess you know, clash uh, yeah Usually, I, most I, nfl teams have the white uniform yeah like white of, looks like color rush a lot of teams flip what they wear i mean the dolphins wear white early in the year at home and they'll flip to teal later in the year so like dolphins don't really wear the same uniform at home every single time but it's yeah i, I don't know i think they're good they're a decent uniform it's just like they just had some little mess ups like i think the atl on they have an atl right up under the nfl logo oh, on the man. collar it's huge. It is a huge so pipe font, and, then, and they could have made it a bit smaller, and it would have worked, I think. But yeah, talk like, to me about the throwbacks. The throwbacks are there was I think it was the eighties. Is like the older Falcon logo. The Vicaro uh, Falcons. I think yeah, it's eighties nineties technically. Yeah, eighties nineties with the old Falcon, not their current logo Falcon. And I was thinking like the Dion era. Yeah, Dion. Yeah, it's more uh, Dion Sanders. More sense, yeah. yeah, with the simple black or simple block font kind of uh, numbers with red outlining, black jerseys. I think it was black pants. I believe so. And, and I like the helmets. The helmets for both retro and current are nice because they're matte black with kind of the glossy logo, and then the face masks are chrome, like silver chrome. I like that. I enjoy that. I think it's not bad. Like the Bucks didn't. The Bucks have the chrome face mask too. <laughs> We had it for a bit, but like I don't, we don't talk I, about that jersey era. I kind of, I, I kind of like the chrome face mask. Chrome face mask looks pretty good. It's kind of different. Not too many teams do the chrome face mask, so I think they, I think they're a decent uniform. They were starting to go in the right direction. It's just execution wasn't there in certain points. Like, what did you guys think, Brett? I know you, you said you kind of like them. Yeah, I like them. Um, I, I think it's really, uh, how do I put this? I think a lot of people love to hate new uniforms Mm -hmm. um i think that's a common thing you see on the internet nowadays well the rams Um, deserve the hate for what they did yeah yeah yeah, but it's like 
No, but anytime there's a new logo, people yeah. love to hate it. Like, it, I don't know. I why. mean, I it's think true. the, the, right. the right. Seahawks refresh went by well. I, yeah, I everyone think liked it. I think, I think the Bucks, for the most part, we're, we're going to talk about the Bucks in a second. Mm-hmm. But there is a trend of like whenever a team either rebrands or changes anything, whenever there's any, people hate change. Mm-hmm. So when the Falcons put these out, they got a lot of backlash. But you, you're looking at them and, and like overall, like, yeah, these are nice. These are fine. They're not terrible. Um, the I think the numbers on all of them, except for the throwback, which uses the true block numbers, the numbers are kind of corny. Um, but like, it's not something I think needs to be worried about. Um, I, overall, I think they look fine. Red, black, and white is a pretty safe color scheme. And, and I that think, ACL I think just so it. big, man. My, I did text my family, though, in Atlanta, who are all Falcons fans. I said, what do you guys think? My sister lives in Atlanta, so now she's by proxy a, somewhat of a Falcons fan. So my one of my cousins said, not a big fan. My uncle said, better than the Oregon Ducks, but who cares? I don't know why he's saying the Oregon Ducks. but it's such an old man thing to say. Yeah, and then, but my cousin who said, not a fan, honestly, he said, I probably will get one later on, but they're they're not in a couple of years, but he's going to continue to wear his Julio one right now. You know what's going to happen? A lot of people that said they didn't like these in 20 years when the Falcons change the uniforms again are going to be like, oh, I, I might like the ones they had. Why yeah, did they change? All right, so on my screen, I, I know the audience at home can't see them, but I'm going to go through and kind of describe, like, there's one, the, the one design where they use the white pants, the black socks, and the black shirt looks fine. That looks fine. The throwbacks look great because they kind of share similar mm-hmm. themes. Everything else, just throw it in the trash. It's like, I, unfortunately, the Bucks have introduced a curse now to the NFC South, which is there can only be three good jerseys at any point in time. This, well, this is now apparent because well, that for me, like the, the biggest thing is like everything is I can live with everything except for the ATL. The ATL is gigantic. Holy hell, who approved that? It, lo- yeah, it doesn't who look. Who cares? I think, they, I think they look fine. I think they're good. I care because I'm going to have to stare at that for uh, 10 times a year over yeah, for like ten times two, a year. Time, two times uh, two a year times. for yeah, the next five years. I think um, they're fine. I think everyone's a bit overreacting. I like, I don't get why people are hating on the white ones. I'm a huge fan of some all white uniforms. They look Because the Falcons have never been like a, a team to wear all white. I, don't I know, think. but I think that's why it's good. It's a, it's a, a change of pace for them. I think it's, I think it works. I think, they did a solid job. Everyone's overreacting. I mean, Grant, I'm sitting in front of a – I got a Marlins flag, the old, the second iteration of the uh, logo behind me. Those ones were bad. Those ones never really grew on me. The Marlins have rebranded so many times. It's so three, hard. It's three like, times to be exact. I think so the Marlins twi- Technically, rebranded twice. We have three logos. The, yeah. the Marlins the, design the went and, through that too. Yeah. The Marlins design and the Atlanta design share one thing in common, and that is that they're, that they're kind of a product of their time. They don't have like that timeless quality about mm-hmm. them. So what you were saying earlier about like 20 years ago or 20 years from now, people are going to say, oh man, those news uniforms look so badass. I, I don't, I think these will, people will get used to them in the same way that the people got used to the Seahawks. Cause let's be honest, like I said, the Seahawks was a great change, but it wasn't very well received at the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like universal praise. Like now, nowadays, you know, the Seahawks have some of the most iconic um, uniforms in the league, but um I don't think these will ever be seen as like truly iconic. They'll be known as kind of the Falcons uniforms for these five years. And then they'll be kind of forgotten. 
I don't think these have a lot of staying power. They'll probably have probably staying do. power when it becomes niche. But the Falcons are a forgettable franchise, so we definitely oh, come will on. forget about come on. Tyler, Tyler, as a another a or as one of our other AFC uh, NFC South members here, what do you think? Because you all like Brett and Sebastian, you also have to look at these at least twice a year. I mean, I like them. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think taking the ATL, um, maybe it could be a little bit smaller, but I think overall. I actually kind of like them. They're, I think they're a step up. I don't like that they don't include just a plain red and a black pants just like they had before. Yeah. I, like you said with the gradient, I don't know if that really works all that well. Um, I, I think, you know, you can always be simple with a red top and a rack, uh, black uh, bottom or shorts. And I think that's I don't know. I think that would be the only thing I would change is just that that basic combination that they had before and then just incorporate all these. So. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I do really like about these uniforms is if you look at the numbers, the, the font that they use for the numbers are actually really cool. And like, I know they just seem just blocky, but there's little intricate designs on it. Like if you look at Matt Ryan's jersey, the number two, the way the top of the two comes down and to a point looks just like the logo, the point of the Falcons book. Yeah, the bird. Got a to it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's like there's a little bit of thought into it. So people are just saying like, oh, this is just a simple template. They, I could have made this or whatever. I think they put some thought into it. And I think it actually, it works good. And the more I look at these, the more I like them. If they well, do it, like a slight pass and just shrink those numbers or shrink the ATL yeah. sign, I, I think exactly. I think you, you mm-hmm. have like a, a strong jersey. Because I, I agree. I, I really like the numbers. They've got that like unique flair. I know the Marlins did that too with their sec- stage two redesign or the first Miami Marlins look. They had well, some really cool like unique numbers. The numbers, yeah. That was one part of the new Mar- the second iteration of the Marlins uniforms that I did like is that the numbers were interesting and like they you knew it was a Mar- the Marlins numbers when you looked at it, mm-hmm. unlike every other team in the league, which is just simple block number. Mm-hmm. Well, real quick, let's move on and talk yeah. about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who also released new uniforms to go with their brand-new quarterback, Tom Brady, or new-to-them quarterback. He's not a new quarterback by any means. Um, but, again, bad radio, but these new Bucks uniforms are um, a modernized look um, taken from the uniforms they wore during the Super Bowl era, late 90s, and all the way through the 2000s up until, like, Dungeon Group 2013 when they unveiled uh, the uniforms they had been wearing up until this point, which were regarded by many as the worst in the league. They had a, alarm clock numbers. They had these weird pewter shoulders with these orange highlights, and they were just really, really ugly. Um, and a lot of fans have been calling for them to either go back to A. Oh, no, he has the Jameis Winston. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's cursed. Get away from me. Uh, Visible disgust. His, his older Jameis Winston uniform, which is outdated for multiple reasons now. One, because Winston's no longer with the team. Two, because that is no longer the Bucks uniform. Um, but a lot of fans are calling for them to go back to their 1970s-style creamsicle uniforms, uh, which is what they wore when they entered the league in 1976. Did you like those, Brett? Did you I, like those OG jerseys? They're okay. I honestly, I, I that that iteration of the Buccaneers was so unfathomably bad that I don't think you could ever wear those on a uh, like as your go-to jerseys. Yeah. Um, and and not be associated with losing what was it twenty-six games straight to start uh, to start the franchise. Yeah, they were. Very, I could. Very bad. 
I don't, I didn't like the colors. We were universally panned at, well, the Buccaneers were universally panned as the creamsicles uh, while they, while they wore them. It's not to say that like, I get that kind of the pastel aesthetics are in right now, especially among people our age. Um, I'm a sucker for that, but um, I, I just don't think they would have aged very well. If, if you want to bring back them as a throwback every once in a while, I think that's fine. But what they did with the new ones is they've got three sets. They've got a pewter helmet, obviously, for all three, uh, and then a white, white jersey on white pants, a red jersey on pewter pants, and a pewter jersey on pewter pants. The numbers are a direct copy-paste from the old uniforms. They're uh, white numbers on one with a orange and black trim and red numbers on the other with an orange and black trim as well. And then the uh, pewter uniforms have white numbers with a red trim. They took the new typeface, the new logo, uh, a lot of new other new stuff. They just modernized everything and they put it out. And I think it looks good. I think it was a return to what people like. Um, and that's all I really have to say about it. I like all three. I'm excited to see them take the field in it again with Tom Brady on our center. So uh, that's really all I have to say. I think they played it safe with these ones. They made the right choice, the right call to go back to the ones that everyone liked. I like how they did keep the same helmet from last year, though, and the logo and the typeface for everything. That was solid. But the one thing that I just don't get with you Buccaneers fans is the word pewter. The word pewter, get, I, I'm done with the word pewter. I've seen the word pewter on Twitter 20 million times in the past day and a half, and I'm done with it. It's, well, it's not the a The reason why it's, it's, we, just, it's just gray with a little bit of brown. Uh, <laughs> That's all it is. It's just that shade of brown, brown, though, is really, really unique across all sports. Like in the I know four major leagues here in America, there's no, there, there's no other team that uses pewter. And because of that, it's become integral to the Buccaneer identity. Right. I, think um, I think it's for me. Everybody has red. Everybody has white. Everybody has black. But nobody has pewter. I know we know we know no one has pewter because it's not a great color. That's no, why no one has pewter. Beautiful. Oh yes, yeah, I said it. No one else wanted to say it, but I said it. Pewter isn't that great of a color. It's just gray. With it's just pretty much charcoal gray with a little bit of brown tossed into it. And I'm what? done with the word pewter. You guys got to get over the word pewter. I'm banning the word pewter for the rest. I, of I don't even know how to respond to this, dude. Like this is because I said that because it's, it's the truth. Because it's the truth. It's not true, though. It's not true. Pewter power, baby. Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> I'll just say, as the the resident uh, Saints fan, uh, I guess, and uh, at WVFS, uh, I mean, there's other ones, but I think this is scary. Um, this is scary because it, for two reasons. Uh, um, you you've now coupled this uniform with Tom Brady, right? And this is a return. Number two, this is a return to their quote-unquote greatest error um where they made playoff appearances seven out of their 11 uh, years wearing or i think it was about 11 years wearing this uniform um so very scary for me as a saints fan i know uniforms only go so so much but i mean that was the most arguably i think that was the best era in buccaneers football i think the only thing i would change uh for the Buccaneers I don't know why they don't do it is to add like a color rush with the ship the the ship on the, you know how they have the little ship thing mm-hmm. helmets they they've just stuck with the flag and I wish that they would change change it up with like a ship or something I think that'd be really cool 
Um, the NFL does I get like, what you're saying, but the ship is on the shoulder pads. Um, on I know, but you can't put it on your helmet? The NFL has rules against uh, multiple helmets. I know I think they only allow for one other type of helmet per season, and you can only wear that helmet once or twice. And because the dolphins change go, the sticker. Yeah, the dolphins, the, sticker. the dolphins go back and forth with this because the Dolphins fans love the retro jerseys and the retro uniforms that we wear, but we're only allowed to wear them X amount, like once or twice a year. And a lot of us get frustrated with that. The, the logo's fine. The ship, I think there's a lot going on there. I don't know. If, I think it's, that might be too crowded on a helmet. The ship is it a works, busy logo. It, yeah. works as a, it works as a really good logo for the sleeve or for like a t-shirt maybe. But I don't yeah, know if for it's sure. a helmet logo. It's, yeah, like you said, it's too complicated, too intricate. But it's not bad. Besides, we only need one ship and it's in Ray J, so we're fine. Yeah. Hell yeah, for sure. I was so ready <laughs> going back to WrestleMania real quick. Because I know for sure there was going to be gonna some use sort of shenanigans on the ship. Um, man. man, man, am I? Are they coming back? Uh, are they going to come back here for for another WrestleMania soon, the, sooner rather than later? Los Angeles is already set for next year's WrestleMania, so if they do, it'll be a year or two down the line. But I don't know. I'm not even going to try to think about that because I just get sad when I do. Mm-hmm. All right. With that being said, we are going to move on to this week's edition of Tomahawk Talk Trivia. Gary has won the first two rounds. He's defending his title once more again here on the podcast. Tyler and Sebastian, both contenders that fell to Gary. I'm hungry, dude. I'm hungry. And one and two, respectively, are back. Gary has allowed them to take another shot at his title. And uh, if, if they fail here, we might have to get some fresh blood on next week <laughs> to try to... Uh, knock Gary off his pedestal. I might even have to come in, bring in a new moderator, and try to beat Gary. But this week's trivia is... Oh, God, that's Alex Crutchick's music. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Alex would beat Gary. Sorry, Alex, if he's listening. Um, But this week's trivia is themed Florida State basketball. Because as you guys know, Monday would have been the NCAA National Championship game. Florida State would have 1,000% definitely been playing in it, probably against the Kansas Jayhawks. And they uh, probably would have won the whole thing. You know, what, you know, I'm just speaking the truth here. So we are going to do Florida State basketball trivia. I think for the most part, all of these questions, and I still have to make one or two up off the top of my head, are going to be themed on this year's team. You guys will uh, answer your questions on either your whiteboard or your piece of paper or whatever you got in front of you. Show it to the camera, and I will read off your answers to the public. We're going to do, I think, five questions, most points, wins, tiebreaker if needed. Uh, so with that being said, let's get underway. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with the first one. Let me make sure I got this right. How many players on the Florida State roster are from the state of Florida? Not necessarily where they went to high school, and I might be giving one away there, but where they're from, they're, what's listed as their hometown, if you look up the roster. How many players on the Florida State roster are from the state of Florida? Go ahead. And I might even do a bonus round of this question to see if you can name all of them. I can't name them all for sure, so I'm already going to pull myself out of that bonus round there. But or see, we'll, Maybe we'll see who can name them most. Mm. Yeah. But how many? So Florida State has one, two, three, four, five. This is bad radio. Mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 
players on their roster. Obviously, not all scholarship players. These are all rostered players. There are 18 of them. So let's go ahead and see your answers on the sheet of paper. Just show them to the camera. Don't say anything. Just show them to the camera. Nice and clear. Gary comes in with five. Sebastian has seven. Tyler puts six. So we get all different numbers. I know last week they had a lot of the same answers. So Gary had five. Tyler had six. Sebastian had seven. The total number of players on Florida State's roster from the state of Florida is five. Gary Uh, with a hot start. Now, (laughs) I think we are going to make this into a bonus question. So we might have a little more than five questions. Let's see who can name the most. Whoever can name the most gets a bonus point. So just write out as many as you can in 10 seconds. And we will – and I'll I'll, I'll read off whoever it is. If you're passing, you don't want to write any. Tyler at least has one. He might get the bonus think, point. I don't here. think I got. I don't think I got anything. I'm drawing a blank because there's a bunch of names that I can go through in my head and think I mean, it's like, okay, is he? But there's one that should be pretty. I, I think mean, a pretty okay, easy I'll, one. I'll write one. I won't give the bonus. Yeah, I took. If, I, there, see, I took if a there's really a tie, I won't guess. give a bonus point. If there's a tie, and I, I make the rules, so I only got one. So let's one. see. All right, let's see your I'll answers pass, right as I'll pass off on this one. All right, Gary's passing. Well, that's a lot of names. All right, uh, Anthony Polite's uh, from Switzerland. Tyler. He played. He played in. He played right down the street from me in Boca Raton. Yeah, but, but I'm saying they're hometowns. Not, yep, he's not from here. He's not. Wait, from who else Boca did you Raton. have, though, Tyler? So Sebastian writes Trent Forrest, which is correct. I saw he's from Chipley. Sebastian writes mm-hmm. Trent Forrest and Raekwon Gray. So Trent Forrest from Chipley, Florida. I'm just west on I-10. Mm-hmm. A super small town. So that is correct. Sebastian and Tyler had that. Raekwon Gray from Fort Lauderdale. Went to Dillard High in Fort Lauderdale. So Tyler, you get a bonus point there. Atta boy. All right. 1-1. One, one. Garrett didn't even take a stab at it. The other players from Florida, Wyatt Wilkes is from Orlando. He went to Winter Park High. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and Will Miles went to Trinity Prep in Orlando. Ty Hands went to Palm Beach, Palm Beach Lakes High in Palm Beach Lakes, Florida. All right, so 1-1 as we get done with the first question. Tyler picks up the bonus point there. This one, uh, maybe a little harder. So two players scored over 300 points last year for Florida State. Devin Vassell led the team with 380 total points. Trent Forrest came in at number two with 359 points. Now, those are the two leading scorers. Name the other two players that scored over 200 points. So number three and four in scoring for the Noles. you got to name them both to get the point. Bissell and Forrest were one and two. Who were three and four? They scored at least 200 points. Everyone else scored less than 200 on the roster. Where where were the two leaders again? Bissell and (laughs) – Devin Bissell and Trent Forrest. Yeah, sorry. And three and four are the the next two we're looking for. Maybe this will be easier. I don't know. All right, give you guys a few more seconds to get the names written in. Are we ready to go? Let's let's I go can't... ahead and see the paper. Oh yeah, I I don't know. I couldn't. I just blanked on the lot. I All blanked right. on the second name. So can you can only you got one down, paper? Gary. Yeah. All right. So Gary had just Pat Williams. Tyler has MJ Walker and Raekwon Gray. Not bad, and then Sebastian, move yours a little bit to the left. I think I know who I'm going to turn off the green screen real quick. Yeah, turn off but the my answers were Walker and Osborne. 
MJ not Walker, bad guess, not bad guess. Malik Osborne. So MJ Walker was right. Mm-hmm. That one was on there. But the other one was Pat Williams. So Pat Will- so MJ Walker, 275 points, comes in at number three. Pat Williams, number four, 268. So no one gets a point there. I, I, bl- so I knew time. I blanked on MJ. I, I, I was- MJ was the easy one. I thought Pat I was going to throw some people off. I thought well, Osborne. I might have guessed Osborne. I wasn't 100% sure if that was. Osborne cool. wasn't a bad guess. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. All right. Let us move on to the next one. Florida State. Alrighty. Florida State. High-scoring team this year. Also had a really good defense, but got into some really high-scoring games. They scored 99 against Miami. They scored 98 against North Florida. But they only reached triple digits one time throughout the season. Name the team that they played and scored triple digits against. It was at home. It was, I'll, actually, I won't say the date. It was at home. Well, it, it's going to be early season. I'm just going to say that now. I, I would assume it's going to be early season. You can assume all you crazy. want. You just got to write the answer on the paper. Play. You got to write well, no, the pre- answer. Preseason doesn't count, does it? No, no preseason. Okay. All right. Good. Um, hmm. This is a tough one because I, I thought I remembered that the '99 against Miami as being the most. I just can't remember who that other team was. I remember oh, them well. All right, can we get those answers? Can we get can we get a re, can we get a region of the country or no. region of the country at least as a hint? No. All right. No. Uh oh. Looks okay. All right. Let's see those answers. Um, Hold on, I was just finishing it. Just don't look up. All right, Gary. Think, probably not right, but I just put down Ju. I That's think you wrote right. that as a fake answer last week too. No, I didn't put Ju down. I somebody else put Ju. Okay, well, Ju's popular, I guess. Yeah. Tyler and Sebastian both write Chicago yeah. State, which Good is correct. Is Good. I remember Chicago because State. that's the ahead, worst Sebastian. team in the country. Uh, yeah, I remember the, that too. But... The worst team in the country, according to Ken Palm. They went four and twenty-five. They were ranked three hundred forty-ninth in adjusted offense and three hundred fifty-first in adjusted defense. They were ranked lower was... than Kennesaw State, who went one and twenty-eight last year. Go Owls! Did we? Did, did Florida State play um, the Red Hawks too? They played. Um, um, I, I think was about to write that. Didn't they play the car? There was a Illinois. No, Illinois State was baseball. Um, they did play St. Francis Red Hawks. Yeah, the Red Saint Flash. That, the Red Flash. Yeah, the Red Flash. Yeah. That was who I was going to write. Name is Red Flash. Jeez. Um, but I, Chicago I was like, State. No. So before. Uh, quick fun fact of Chicago State. Before the coronavirus really was like really being taken seriously and everything had been shut down. Uh, I think they were the first school to announce that they weren't going to be sending their teams to the conference tournaments uh, <laughs> because of like the coronavirus. And but my first thought was, Oh, that's why you're not sending your teams. They were the worst team in the country. They were four and 25 last year in college basketball, but obviously they were uh, probably. I truly want to know who smart. they won uh, four games I, again. I can tell you. <laughs> Let's look that up really quickly because I am interested. Chicago State, uh, the, their head coach uh, was actually friend, or his dad was friends with Leonard Hamilton, and that's how they knew each other and scheduled the game. Um, yeah, they were bad. They were a real bad team. So they beat Judson 103 to 60, who is not a Division One team. Um, they also beat Purdue Northwest again, not a not a Division One team. They beat North Park, who's not a Division One team. And then their one win that was a Division One team, they beat. 
Um, Southern Illinois Edwardsville, who uh, went eight and twenty-three this year. Hmm. So that was wow. a Division One victory. So hey, it's rough. Chicago State, we hardly knew you. Hats All right. off to you, Chicago State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So Tyler leads two to one. So Sebastian's got one. Gary's Uh-oh. got one. Tyler's got uh, two. We're going to have a couple more questions. The next one, so Florida State, second in the ACC in points per game this year, right? They won the ACC regular season title. They went 16-4, and four, but they were second in points per game with 75.4. Can you name the only team that was ahead of them in points per game that was the only team in the ACC to have over 80 points a game? I know it's not Virginia. Uh, that's assumed. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it away. Virginia had the lowest amount of points scored per game out of any team in the conference. Yeah. I was... All right. Let's get the answers. I think everyone – what is All right. Duke? So, Gary got Louisville. Tyler put Louisville. Sebastian put Duke. And the answer is Duke. So I spelled too. Duke wrong. He He's, spelled yeah, Duke wrong. Yeah, I would like a, a, a challenge. <laughs> yeah, challenge Duke flag. Wrong. Challenge I'm flag. Sorry, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh, so, come on. Louisville. Go to VR. VAR. VAR. Sorry, we don't have sport ruining video review features here. You got the recording. I see the record button down up on this. <laughs> Louisville with 7.1 next question, next question, points next question. per game. Duke with 82.5. So they lead Sebastian and Tyler. Tied for the lead. All right, now I got to make one up off the top of my head. Ooh, off the top, my favorite segment. Off, off the top. Yo, Nick's birthday this past week, dude. Send him a happy. Throwback Thursday. All right. Um, Shut up, I'm gonna have to edit some of this audio down because I have not thought of another one. We're gonna do two <laughs> more. We're gonna do two more. Yeah, find a way to keep the champ in it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's uh, a little biased there. You think I like Bad ratings? <laughs> I I mean, he's won two in a row. I mean, we right have now to I am your moderation here. We're hey, we're in like the hardest Tom, game. It's like Tom Brady. You got to find a way to keep Tom Brady in the game, whether it be the tuck rule or whatever. <laughs> I am a proud ABG. Anybody but Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna go. Okay, this is this is a good one. This is a close one. Name Florida State's top rebounder from this past season who led the team in rebounds. Total rebounds. Easy layup, maybe. Well, it's not a layup. It's a rebound. Ah. And then... Fuck. May have just took myself, put myself out of contention here, but I had to go for it, I think. All right, let's see. We're going to have one more question after this. There it hang is. on, hang on. Let me think. Let me think. No more time oh, for thinking. Well, all right, time's no up, time I guess. We... <laughs> you want me I to just put, put myself out of contention. Gary put up this thing. All right. So, up are you passing on this round, Sebastian? I guess so, because these two have already put up the thing. I got to lay low right. before the so Gary FA said takes a look into my games. Malik Osborne and Tyler went with Dominic Alenichuk. The correct answer to create a three-way tie in the lead was Malik <laughs> Osborne, 153 rebounds, oh, had one more rebound than Devin Vassell, who had 152 throughout the season. 
So we had a lot wow. of boards at center. He, you're going to get a lot so, of boards when you're playing down low. Don was injured for a lot of the year. Yeah, we will play until we have one uh, person left since everyone's tied. Sun death. Everyone is tied. I feel oh. like Gary's just going to come back again. This is how he always wins. He starts off really slow and then just comes back. The mind starts going. I, I need a little bit to warm up. All right. Can you guys name? Uh, no, that's that one's too difficult. I was gonna I was gonna ask you a question about the walk-ons. Ooh. Um, the Vipers. Is that the correct answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. go through it and erase like bits and pieces on my scrap paper college basketball reference records a statistic and i think this is a basketball stat that's pretty widely used now it's called true shooting percentage it's defined as a measure of shooting efficiency that takes into account two-point field goals three-point field goals and free throws so it measures how efficient you are at scoring the basketball justin linder led the team with a 1.111 true shooting percentage. Obviously, very small sample size with Mr. Linder. So what I'm asking for is who was second on the team in true shooting percentage. It's really looking for efficiency. How efficiently are you scoring the basketball? Who came in at second? This is not a walk-on. This guy played a good amount. He actually played in 20 Five plus games. I won't say the exact amount of games he played in. I think I got it. And we'll give you guys about 10 more seconds. Don't put them up yet. 10 more seconds. True shooting percentage. Who is the most efficient? All right. Five, three, one, zero. Let's see him. Can you All see right. that there? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Three separate answers. We got Wyatt Wilkes from Gary, Anthony Polite Perfect. from Tyler, and who, who, Sebastian, who did you have? Devin Russell? Vassal. Yeah, All right. Awesome. So we had a uh, first answer was Wyatt Wilkes. He comes in with, I actually, oh, a 568 true shooting, shooting percentage. Uh oh. That's not good. <laughs> Kevin Vassell comes in with a 585 true shooting percentage. Anthony Polite comes all the way in with a 532. None of those led the team or came second in the team. Who led the team was Dominic Olenich. No, wait, not Dominic Olenichuk. Balsa Kopravica with a really? 697 true shooting percentage. So that stat really yeah. kind of favors the big men that are going to be at one of mm-hmm. high field goal percentages uh, and are going to efficiently score. So Balsa hmm. Kopravica, 697. I've never given a look into that statistic, so I really did not know how. I knew there was going to be a lot of guesses there. It, it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one. I'll give you that. It's a good three-point shooters are temporary, but big men are forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can, all right, I'll get, we'll go with another somewhat more simple one. Um, mm-hmm. Who there are two players that led the team in three pointers made. Name them both for the point and potentially the win. They each made forty-four. You got to name them both, though. Keep my first answer. You guys, about five more seconds. 
three, one. Let's see him. All right, so we have got uh, De Gary goes with Devin Vassell and Wyatt Wilkes. Tyler goes with Anthony Polite and Devin Vassell. And Sebastian goes with Devin Vassell and Trent Forrest. And again, all of you guys are wrong. We've got Devin we Vassell and MJ Walker with 44 uh, three-pointers made. MJ Walker, really good. Well, I should get a half out. point for getting half of that question, right? I got half Clint. of it right, too, then. <laughs> I got half of it right, too. Yeah, we all got half of it. <laughs> oh, okay, then. I should have gotten half a point way earlier when I had half a question right and we were all wrong. You might have to cut these parts just to say, uh, hey, we had some – These they really stink. <laughs> I've got to – okay. Jeez, I've got to come up with, like, one that's going to stump you guys. Or one where it's like – These have all stumped us. Yeah, it's all stumped us. That's going to stump, like, two of you, what I mean. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to go with this. This is going to be a winner take ball. It's going to be Gary uh, – Gary focused here. <laughs> this question, who can ever write out, and you only have to write out their last name, but you at least have to write out their full last oh, name. no. <laughs> we're going to give the – no, we're not going to have you spell. Um, <laughs> like, you can't just, like, write their initials because it's going to be whoever gets their answer up to the webcam first. Okay. It's got to be correct. Full last I name at the least? You've got to at least write their full last name. Okay. And if it's a difficult mm -hmm. one to spell, then just try your best. But you can't just be, like – for example, if it was like Michael Jordan, you can't just write MJ. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you got to write out their full last name to make it fair. So, there's not right. like you're not scribbling and trying to say, oh, that's what I meant to write. Mm -hmm. All right. So, okay. with at least. Okay. Out of all the. Ooh, one second. That's not. That can't be right. Besides Wyatt Wilk, who was perfect from the free throw line last year. Five for five. And besides the walk-on players and Nathaniel Jack, who is also two for two. So the players that played consistent minutes. So it's not Wyatt Wilkes, it's not Nathaniel Jack, and it's not a walk-on. Name the Florida State player with the highest free throw percentage. Go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He had that. He had that unlocked, dude. What the fuck? I just wrote Vassell just to get it. All, of, all of you guys are incorrect. So, was it uh tyler uh, you did try to cheat there it seemed i didn't cheat you were still talking to the question i can write while you're talking about the question it seemed like you might have already had it written no no i was writing as you talked about the question i was thinking about free throw percentage no cheating here was All it right i'm not the astros Pat, yeah, this might be this might be another interesting one we're gonna we do the same thing the last one? oh it was uh pat williams yeah, 830 yeah, it's between Pat and Vassell for me. Let's let's go with another one. First one to answer because we gotta get this over with, guys. We gotta. Yeah, yeah. this is I'm going. This is going go, too I'm long. I'm hungry, dude. I need food. Uh, <laughs> who led the team in blocks? First to get it up, go now. Led the team in blocks. Wait, you gotta. I don't know if this is I'm channeling my father's doctor handwriting. Again, all of you guys are wrong. So we got Dom, Dom, and Balsa. Yeah, we have two Balsas and Pat Williams with 30 blocks. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have to cut this. All right. We're going to do one more. Can you roll it? What if we just rolled a three sided die? Honestly, screw it. We're going to do one more for all the marbles. Okay. And if you don't get this one, Gary retains the title just because no one beat him. Sure. Florida State finished number four in the AP poll this year to finish the season. 
It was their highest AP poll finish since what year? Not first to put it up. Not, don't put it up yet. Don't put it up. Take it down. We're gonna had it up going, you had us going on the, the rush answer. All right. Let's see him now. Jesus Christ. Everyone's All right. 1972. Y'all do 72. <laughs> Everyone is tied. And we're going to end it there. So, Tyler and Sebastian. He's not my champ. He's not my champion. Gary's not a three-time champ, but he hasn't lost the title yet. Undefeated, never lost. You guys put up a great effort. Um, I, I, I don't feel bad, though, because you had every chance to win. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of those questions, those tiebreaker questions wrong. Um, and I'll come back. Maybe you guys will get another opportunity in the near future. Uh, but someone's got to dethrone Gary. And I think I might be announcing right here at the end of the, po- uh, the podcast that uh, I'll be joining the ranks next week <gasps> oh, no. to oh, take no. Gary on. So, Gary, your reign. It was fun to watch while it lasted, but I think this Gary, is your days are numbered till Super Slam. Well, you're going to have to let the other, the new, or whoever's going to be the moderator next week choose the questions and not let you choose. Yes. Whatever. We'll pick a moderator. Wanna, this, can't be, this can't get muddied in any way. Yeah, we'll pick a moderator and we'll, we'll make it fair, and then I'll beat you. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. If you want to hear Tomahawk talk every week, I know it's been really weird not being at the station every Monday night and doing the show live. It's where we'd rather be, but this is what we're going to do. We want to talk to you guys. We're going to keep putting out content. So for Tyler Phillips, for our producer, Sebastian Angeliano, for Gary Putnick, I'm Brett Rutherford, and this was Tomahawk talk. See you guys next week.